Welcome to Kevin Connors Podcast. In this series, Kevin presents a summary of his best-selling book, The Foundations of Christian Doctrine. Visit kevinconnor.org for details about where to purchase this popular textbook. Anyway, welcome on that. So, uh, welcome here tonight. All right, now, in our first two sessions, we covered, uh, number one, divine revelation of the scriptures, and we particularly, just very briefly here, went through the different uh, philosophies and manifestos that are floating around the world today with different religions, and I, I, I believe I'm talking to the convinced, but how many are more convinced that this is God's manifesto? This is God's revelation, and you can take your choice, but I've made my choice to go with this. And then our second session, and you should have your extra note on that, uh, that I tried to do a little bit on the board, is the God of the Bible. That all religions basically believe in God, but is he the God of the Bible? And we found that the answer is basically no. Uh, they have some concept of God or false concepts of God or the God they've created, but not the God of the Bible. I believe in the God of the Bible. Uh, just amazing, omnipotent, omnipotent, omniscient, everything, just beyond our wildest uh, dreams because we're the finite creatures and God's infinite. All right, tonight we're going to be doing two very exciting sessions and uh, we're sort of moving into the invisible realm here. So session number three, our first session here is going to be on the realm of the angels and then number four, which is very, very important session, I think they're all important, of course, uh, is the uh, doctrine of Satan and demonology. All right, so let's uh, turn immediately to your notes. How many felt you got something out the two sessions last week and that uh, further helped you and uh, hopefully that you'll be able to help others? Um, all right, now, I don't know how many have noticed this, but... Uh, uh, two or three years ago when my wife was well and we were both well and traveling a little bit more, uh, we'd been in the States and we found that there's so many at the airports particularly, so many uh, books and that coming out on angels. How many have noticed that? Is it here? Same devil here. And um, uh, I hold this up for you can't see, but we were in uh, Tucson, Arizona and uh, this was one of the papers I picked up here, and it's Your Angel Speaks. And as we went to the airport, uh, there were volumes of, you know, five or six volumes on Your Angel, how to get the name of your angel, how to control your angel. And once you know the name of your angel, you have power over him, and you can dictate to him uh, what to do and what, uh, what, where to go. And so a lot of interest out in that world but I believe it's also preparing for the end times that we're living in when evil angels are abounding. And we'll be talking about the goodies and the baddies tonight a bit. And uh, look at that in our first session here. All right, so uh, let's go immediately to our introduction, see. So our foundation was the Bible itself. And then number two was the God of the Bible. And uh, let's go to our introduction here. The doctrine of angelology has been a neglected doctrine for the following reasons. Uh, number one, ignorance concerning what the scriptures teach on the subject. And uh, the only thing that can enlighten, because uh, we're sort of going to, uh, you know, way back into eternity, if we want to put it this way, we say, okay, way back here, uh, let's uh, say this was eternity, timelessness, because God works in time, but he's not bound to time. And then somewhere away, in eternity before time began, as far as we're concerned, God decided to create the angelic realm, so the, uh, the doctrine of angels. So what I, I did in my own study was I went through every reference in the total Bible uh, to the doctrine of angels in order to uh, form what I believe is a balanced presentation, which we hope to do tonight. So uh, Paul writes a number of times in, in, in the Corinthian epistle and several other epistles there, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning this or whatever he wants to write. And the only thing that can enlighten our, our ignorance is the Bible, amen? So we want to see what the Bible has to say about angels. So um, the Bible enlightens our ignorance. So a lot of people are ignorant concerning what the scriptures teach on the subject. Number two, unbelief in the supernatural. 
Um, I, I haven't got time to turn to this, uh, all the scripture and we like to encourage you even though we don't turn to the scriptures all of them uh, in class here like to encourage you to read them between now and the second coming of Jesus or between now and the millennium unless you're already there and see what the Bible says check it out okay so unbelief in the supernatural including the existence of angels and we find uh, that there were a, a religious group of Pharisees and Sadducees and the Sadducees they didn't believe in angels or spirit or uh, they didn't believe in bodily resurrection uh, and we play on their name that's why they were sad you see (laughs) some of you get that later on okay so unbelief in the supernatural then number three fear or superstition concerning the unseen realm of spirit beings because we're dealing with spirit beings created way back in eternity we have no time element there and then number four Undue adoration, prayer to and worship of angels. Why don't you turn uh, at least to, or or put, uh, I've got the scripture there. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. Undue adoration. Those of you maybe who come from a Roman Roman church background, uh, you know that there was involving uh, worship of angels there. But it's forbidden by the Bible and uh, uh, it's what we call the Colossian heresy. Um, I'm reading from, uh, from Colossians chapter 2 and verse 18. Colossians 2 and verse 18. And uh, Amplified puts it this way, Let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you unworthy and disqualifying you for the prize, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, which is forbidden, uh, taking his stand on visions he claims to have seen, vainly puffed up in his sensuous notions and inflated by his unspiritual thoughts and fleshy conceits. So the Bible forbids us to worship angels, uh, angelic spirits, and uh, this was more particularly in Romanism. Uh, A number of years ago, way back in the 1980s, when I was the sergeant major here, uh, the senior minister at uh, Waverley Christian Fellowship. Uh, we used to meet once a, uh, about once a month with a bunch of ministers. And at that time, there was this heresy floating around. And uh, it was also floating around in uh, uh, Lima, Peru, and some of the other countries that you had to get the baptism of the Spirit and find your guardian angel. And once you got the, the name of the guardian angel, then you had power over him and could dictate to him and tell him what to do. Well, I'm sorry, that's kind contrary to the word, uh, worship of angels. Uh, We do not worship angels. We worship our Lord Jesus Christ. We worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We do not worship the angels. Amen? Amen. All right, so undo adoration. All right, under A, uh, we'll look at a couple of scriptures here. The existence of angels. Uh, I'm going to read from Hebrew, uh, uh, book of Revelation, chapter 5. As I said, we won't read all these scriptures. We've got a lot of material to cover, but... uh, Uh, one or two scriptures here and there. Revelation chapter 5 and in verse 11. Revelation 5 verse 11. And and John says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels uh, around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. Can you multiply that? And thousands of thousands. So innumerable angels God created. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And everyone here said, Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, Hebrews 12, Daniel chapter 7 also tells us that the myriads of angels, untold thousands, we don't know how many uh, millions of angels God created. All right, so uh, reading off our note here, there are about 300 references to angels in the Bible which substantiate their existence. And this is important to realize, though we haven't got time to uh, indulge in this too much, but the Hebrew word malak, something like that, translated angel, it simply means an angel, uh, an agent or a messenger. So many times uh, in the Old Testament, uh, angels appear to people, but sometimes uh, they appeared as human beings. They had the power to uh, assume uh, a human form temporarily. And so it could be a messenger, uh, an agent from the Lord. And the Greek word, ongelos, 
uh, translated angel simply means a messenger also. So sometimes uh, the word angel is used of, I've got it here on your notes here. Sometimes the word is used of the Lord God uh, when the three angels appeared to Abraham. Uh, one of them at least was the Lord and he's spoken of as the angel of the covenant, the messenger of the covenant. Sometimes it's used of men, like you'll find that in the book of Revelation chapter 1, 2 and 3, right to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right to the angel of the church of Smyrna. Uh, so uh, writing to angels, not ordinary angels, not fallen. Uh, if, if they were ordinary angels, they were, some of them were fallen because he said to one angel, you've left your first love, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Uh, the, the, the angel or messenger of the church here is Mark Andrew Connor. Anybody met him? Uh, okay, he, he's, he, he's uh, the angel, the messenger of the church and responsible as the leader. Uh, so sometimes it's used of men and sometimes it's used of angelic spirit beings themselves. You just have to check the context where it's referring to God or angels or even demons uh, or human beings or Satan in his host. All right, now under letter B, I want to take a bit of time on this. Now, uh, we have no time element, but way back in eternity, uh, as we said last week, God himself, you know, was completing himself. He didn't need anybody. He didn't need the angels. He didn't need us. Uh, he, he was uh, content in his own being as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, a, a angelic, not angelic, but a Godhead family there. And then somewhere in the purposes of God, they decided to create angelic beings. Now, we'll deal with this a little bit more later on when you have some fill-in here, angelic beings. And uh, why did God create angels? Why did God create mankind? We'll, uh, we'll come back to that thought in a moment. So when God created the angelic host there, there has to be a kingdom. Remember that we said, I think we said last week, God is a king and Jesus is king of kings and we have a whole order of the kingdom here. All right, so kingdom... There's always be the kingdom. Your kingdom, as we've got on the scripture there, is an everlasting kingdom. Now God decides to create angelic beings, and there's got to be order in the kingdom. Now, I want you to listen carefully to this, because uh, uh, if you want me to give you exact chapter and verse, I can't always, but, but uh, there's a pattern here. And I want you to particularly note in this order here, the numbers 3, 12, 70, and the hosts. Okay, let's uh, look at this. So we're talking about kingdom order. If God's going to have a kingdom and have other, other beings beside himself, there's got to be kingdom order. So we have this order of 3, 12, 70 in the host. Now let's de uh, develop that a little bit more here. Now you'll notice on your notes here, letter A, the Godhead has an everlasting kingdom. So when we pray the traditional Lord's Prayer, it's not really the Lord's Prayer, it's the, the prayer the Lord taught the disciples to pray, our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done uh, in earth as in heaven. I want you to think of that, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your name, your kingdom come, and when we talk about kingdom, we're talking about uh, the, the word kingdom is like a corruption of two words here, kingdom or king's domain. So when we say your kingdom, we're saying your king's domain, your rule, your reign, your authority, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So I want you to think of that. God's will is done in heaven, but now he's teaching us to pray when you pray. Say, hello be your name, so your name, your kingdom... Your will be done in earth or on earth as it is in heaven. All right, now, because we're dealing with something that happened way back in eternity, and I have to assume something here, but wait till I'm through on this section. So uh, the God has, has an everlasting kingdom, and we pray that prayer. Uh, your kingdom come, an everlasting kingdom. And way back in eternity, as we said last week, God revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then after, uh, under this, we have... The archangels, I'll come back to that in a moment. And uh, at least three of them we're going to see are mentioned in Scripture. Three particular archangels. 
Uh, they're mentioned in Daniel 10, uh, 10, 12, Jude 9, Daniel 8, and Daniel 10, and then Luke 1. Uh, we'll be coming to that later on, then Revelation chapter 12. And then number C, and I believe this myself, and uh, I hope you'll believe what I believe when I'm through here on this section. The heaven, what I call the heavenly Sanhedrin, which consisted of 70, and then we have the multitude of the angelic host, uh, thousands upon thousands, uh, angels without number. All right, now let's go back to this a moment, and if you want to put some notes here, which I'd encourage you to, number three is the number of the Godhead. So number three is the number of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you want to put that on your notes here. So number three, the number of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Number 12 is the number of government. So uh, we'll, we'll say it later on, I'll repeat again, but we have 12 archangels, I want to come back to that, 12 apostles, 12 sons of Jacob, uh, the, the, the city of God is stamped with the number 12, 12 foundations, so number 12 is the number of government, government, then number 70, listen to this one here, number 70 is the number prior to increase. Uh, and, and when I give you some illustrations of this, uh, I, I hope it'll confirm to you and make it more clear. So the number prior to in increase, and then after the 70, we have the host, the angelic host. We don't know how many, millions upon millions probably of angelic hosts. So we have this divine order, kingdom order, 3, 12, 70, and the host. Now, let's go back and uh, I think, yes, you fill in on your diagram here. On, the, on, on your notes here, you've got it here, 31270. I want us to go back, first of all, to heaven. So the order in heaven. Now, remember, we're dealing with something that happened way back in eternity, and in heaven, this is what you have. 31270, you have, uh, first of all, uh, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Everybody, if you feel comfortable, say amen on that. Amen. So way back in eternity. Then number 12... I believe we have 12 archangels. Now, we have to assume that, and I'll tell you why. Uh, when we see, you know, as I said, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven, we understand the invisible by the visible. So when we come to the visible, you'll see this pattern. So 12 archangels, and uh, I have some Hebrew writings, and... Um, in the Hebrew writings, and I think also in the Apocrypha, though we don't accept the Apocrypha as inspired, we have the names of the 12 archangels. So keep that in mind, because uh, our two sessions will blend together. So 12 archangels, and then we have the 70, uh, what I call the heavenly Sanhedrin. Can't give you chapter and verse on that yet, but wait till we're finished. So 70, the archangels, the, then the Sanhedrin, and then after the 70, the heavenly Sanhedrin, let's call them, we have the angelic host. So this is God's kingdom, a kingdom order, 3, 12, 70. Now this, as you've got in your first column there, is up in heaven, way back in eternity, in the invisible realm. All right, now let's go to something on earth. So your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let's come to the patriarchs and see this pattern as I said, the visible helps us understand the invisible. Uh, see this pattern on earth. All right, in the patriarchs, this is, you know, to me it's so, uh, so exciting. What do we have? God says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob. Have you ever noticed that God has never called him the God, uh, the, called himself the God of any other per, uh, uh, trinity of men. I'm playing on that word, trinity of men. Now he's the God of Adam, he's the God of Noah, he's the God of Elijah, he's the God of Moses. But here he picks out three men. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. Now why did God pick out, and I'm playing on these words here, why did God pick out this trinity of men? Because this trinity of men manifests in their character, in their life story, the characteristics of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me just give you a couple of brief illustrations. How many would agree with me? Abraham is a father. And Isaac is the only begotten son. 
There's only two only begotten sons in the Bible. Isaac, the only begotten son of the Old Testament, and Jesus, the only begotten son of the New Testament. How many think the Bible could be inspired? So God says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Now notice this. He said, I'm the God of Jacob. Now, Jacob's a human being like these other guys are, but Jacob manifests something. Listen to it. He is the third person of this trinity of men, and he proceeded from the father Abraham through the only begotten son Isaac, and he's the first one in the Bible to anoint Bethel with oil. Now, I haven't finished yet, just don't get too excited here. These three men, and that's a whole character, that's a whole study in itself. These three men manifest something of the Godhead in their character. So one day, God the Father said to Abraham the Father, Abraham, you're a father, I'm a father. You have an only begotten son, I have an only begotten son. Now listen carefully. I want you to do typically with your only begotten son what I'm going to do actually with my only begotten son. That's where the little baby, hallelujah, don't get too emotional here, okay? So what does Abraham do? He takes his only begotten son three days journey, not four days, not two days, three days journey up to a particular mount and offers him typically as a sacrifice from whence he was raised from the dead. So God, it's like God said to Abraham, you do typically with your only begotten son what I'm going to do actually with my only begotten son. And 2,000 years later, roughly, God the Father took his only begotten son, Jesus, three days' journey, Mount Calvary, and offered him as a sacrifice for our sins. Hallelujah. I'm sorry that burst out of me. Yeah. And then Isaac has the characteristics of the only begotten. Jacob, as I said, he's the third person of that trinity of men. He's the first one to anoint with oil. And it's the Holy Spirit who is the anointing. Wow. I mean, we could spend a whole night on that, but that's enough of that. All right. Now, let's go to another earthly pattern, to our third column. Now, what God did in heaven, in the unseen, the invisible, he does now on the patriarchs. We have, oh, I didn't finish that. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that's right. Then 12 sons, Jacob has 12 sons, like the uh, 12 sons of Jacob. Then, when they go down into Egypt, there were 70 souls that went down into Egypt. And from that 70 souls came the infant nation of Israel. Three, twelve, seventy, and the host. Amen? All right, if you don't believe that one, let me give you another one. Okay, in the nation of Israel. Now, God did that individually, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 sons of Jacob, 70 souls down Egypt, and then the nation. Let's go to Israel. God repeats the same pattern, three, twelve, and seventy. So, when they come out of Egyptian bondage, they go three days' journey to Marah. Not two days, not four days, three days. That number three there. And then from Marah, they move to Elam, and they come across 12 wells of water. Not 11, not 13, 12 wells of water. Then in the same place at uh, Elam, they see 70 palm trees. And then the palm trees... It all has to, the water, the wells of water, where the waters were bitter. Uh, Moses casts into the bitter waters a tree. God showed him a tree. Why a tree? Because man sinned by a tree. Jesus died on a tree. Cursed is everyone hangs on a tree. And so God showed Moses a tree and said, cast that tree into the waters. And there he made the healing covenant. I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals you. That's worth a hallelujah too. Oh, I'm sorry to get excited about this. How many think the Bible could be inspired? You see, when God keeps repeating a thing, it's the same as I do, so you get the point. <laughs> okay. All right. So three, 12 wells, 70 palm trees, then the nation at the foot of the mount. Now, that's all, all you say, oh, Kevin, that's Old Testament. We don't believe in the Old Testament. Bible. Oh, well, let's go to the New Testament. Do you believe in the New Testament? Now, in the New Testament... God repeats the same pattern, 3, 12, 70. Look at it. 
So in the church, the New Testament church, we begin Gospel of Matthew, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is baptized in water, and as he comes up out of the water, the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit said, Amen, and came in the form of a dove and sat on the head of Jesus. A revelation, and then the Gospel of Matthew closes with, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Not names, into the name, singular, of three people, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Gospel of Matthew opens up with a revelation of the triune God and concludes with that. And then what does Jesus do? He chooses 12 apostles. Oh, like those 12 wells. We're still drinking water from, from the revelation gave to those, given to those 12 apostles. And 12 sons of Jacob. 12. Now, I want you to keep it in mind because we've got another part of the jigsaw puzzle I'm not giving you at the moment. I want you to come back next session. Okay, 12. And then after Jesus saw the ministry was becoming so great, what did he do? He chose 70 others and sent them out with a healing ministry. Oh, three, 12. And then he says, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Out of every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation. So uh, have I convinced you or not? Do, or do I need to give you any more? I'm not going to. But, I mean, if this doesn't give you... So look at it. Oh, look at it. <laughs> Three, twelve, seventy. In heaven, in the kingdom, then it comes to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we see this 3, 1273, 1273, 1270. And there's other illustrations of the same thing I've found. So I think, yeah, I believe you, Lord. I believe you. You know, after five times, uh, I believe you. Okay, kingdom order. All right, now let's go to letter C. And uh, you have a little bit of fill in here. Okay, the nature of angels. So notice the order, the existence of angels. Uh, God created the angelic being, the angelic host. Uh, for his pleasure and for his glory. And then we have an order. If, you've got, if you're going to have peace and harmony, you've got to have order. How many, how, how many are married and have had kidlets? You know, as long as your kids submit their will to your goodwill, there's harmony and peace in the house. Is there? But when you get a dozen kids, it's chaos. All right, number one, or have you got number one there or whatever? Anyway, you've got 10 points here concerning the nature of angels and just to fill in on these and, and a brief comment. And I'm not going to take time to read the scriptures. Number one, angels are created beings. Now, one thought I want to add with a lot of these thoughts is uh, because they are created beings, they are limited beings. When we get to our next session on the doctrine of Satan and demonology, people say, well, does the devil know your mind? Uh, the devil is not omnipresent. He knows human nature. He doesn't know your mind, especially when you speak in tongues and you've got a hotline to glory. He doesn't understand that. Right? So what, what, what are they saying? Oh, they call it tongues. <laughs> hmm, I haven't got a clue. Okay, so because they're created beings, they're limited beings, and also, one other word, they are dependent, dependent beings. They are not independent. We saw last week, God is the only independent. All right, number two, angels are spirit beings. God is a spirit. So when he created the angelic host, he created them as spirit beings. Angels are ministering spirits. Um, uh, let me just give you one scripture. You've got, you've got the scripture on your notes there, but uh, let me read just one now and then. And as I said, I'd like to encourage you, read the scriptures yourself, Hebrews chapter 1, and uh, listen to what it says here, Hebrews chapter 1, and verse 13 and 14, uh, but to which of the angels said he at any time, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool, and here it is, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. So angels are ministering spirits. God is a spirit. And uh, so the, he created the angels as ministering spirits too. Uh, remember, they are not physical beings. They're not human beings. They are in spirit beings, like God is a spirit being. Number three, angels are immortal. 
like you look at this, the immortal being. Now, as uh, I said last week, that we are mortal, uh, and, and that means we are death doomed. Angels do not have a body. They can assume one. Uh, uh, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to this one. Uh, Luke chapter 20, you've got the scripture there. Luke 20, and uh, I'm reading verse 34 to 36. Um, I don't want to be too facetious here, but uh, the Sadducees, that's why they were Sadducees, they didn't believe the resurrection. Uh, They came to Jesus and said, uh, you know, Moses wrote to us that if a man dies, uh, a man's brother dies and he's having a wife and he dies without children, the brother is to take this wife and raise up offspring for his brother. And then they go on to say, now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children. The second took her as his wife and he died child. The third took her and in like manner the seven also. And they left no children and and died. Last of all, the woman died also. I don't blame her, do you? I mean, after seven guys, that'd be enough to kill any woman. Uh, I'm sorry to think, Australia. I mean, last of all, uh, the woman died. Anyway, they, they think they're being smart. So they say to Jesus... Um, therefore in the resurrection whose wife will she become all seven had her <laughs> and Jesus said to them you dingalings no 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 not quite that's the sons now listen to this the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage but those who are counted worthy to obtain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry or are given in marriage nor can they die anymore but they are equal to the angels and are sons of God being sons of the resurrection so angels don't marry or give them marriage. So when you see all these stupid, cupid little dolls and little baby angels with flappy wings, duh, baloney. Okay, it's not what the Bible says. They're spirit beings, they're immortal. They don't have a physical body like us. They don't marry, nor are they given in marriage. Okay, uh, they could assume a human body if God permitted them. All right, number four, angels are a company. And as I've already said that, they don't marry and they're not given to marriage. They are a company. They're not like human beings. Uh, let me say this. In, oh, no, I'll be on to that. Okay, so number four, angels are company. Number five, angels are innumerable. You can't number them. I've given you two or three scriptures on that. Innumerable, you can't number them. And then number six, uh, two words you have here. Angels are higher than man. Now, keep this in mind. Uh, in Psalm 8 and then Hebrews 2, 7 is quoted, that uh, you made man a little lower than the angels. So the angels are angelic order, spirit beings. And let me say this while it's in my mind. You see, when, when we deal with angels that sinned, that's why there's no redemption for angels. Because angels sinned as spirit beings in the blazing white light of God's holiness. Man was a spirit, soul, and body being, a lower order, and was deceived by an angel, and there's redemption for us, praise God. Yeah, we are, but we are a lower order than angels. So when people, you know, talk about angels and say, hey, just a minute, they are a higher order of creation than us, spirit beings. So no redemption for angels. So angels are higher than man. They are a higher creation order. All right, number seven. Angels are a free will creation. Now, uh, as we say about man in the, another session later on, put yourself, if you can, you know, uh, in the position of God. God decides to create the angel, and the same truth is applicable to man. How would he create the angels? Now, what's the purpose of the angels? So that they would serve him and honor him and be ministering spirits. Uh, how is God going to create them? As a bunch of zombies or robots, obey me, jump, how high? Uh, no, he created, and this is what I say because we'll deal with this in a subsequent session. He created the angels like mankind with a free will. He took what I call, I don't know how else to say this, he took what I call a calculated risk of creating angels and mankind with a free will. If you've got a free will, you have the power of choice between one thing or the other. You've got to have, not, not we have today too many choices, but you've got the power of choice between two things. We'll come back to that later on. All right, so 
They're creators, free will creation, not zombies and not robots. All right, number eight, angels are spirit personalities. Or they're real beings as God is. God is a spirit being and angels are spirit uh, personalities. I've all sort of already, already covered that, but spirit personalities. Uh, and then number nine, angels are invisible unless God makes them visible. Um, Reen, could you come quickly here? How, how many here have ever seen angels? Okay. Reen, come up real quick and you, you can say a little bit here. Where, where's the other mic? Tell, just tell them quickly about your experience in, uh, uh, in um, Holland. Okay, just that one. Thank you. All right, how many have seen angels over here? I've never seen an angel with a broken wing, even. Uh, right, just tell them briefly about that. Uh, uh, yeah. We were in Holland a few years back uh, for a conference, and uh, we were stopping with a, a, a Dutch minister, and they have very narrow, thin houses, and we were on the third floor. And so in the morning, I was still in bed, but Kevin was up early and he's down the end of the room studying, sitting at a table studying. And as I was sitting there in the bed and I was meditating and praying, and as I looked up, I saw this angel standing behind Kevin. And the angel seemed to be uh, leaning over him as he wrote, and in some way, the angel seemed to be helping him in some way. I don't know in what way. He's spying uh, on him. But, <laughs> but in other things too, I've seen angels around about a church service. Uh, I've seen angels standing beside me and different things like that. And, and it's just so wonderful that God sometimes lets us see into the supernatural realm. Mm. But I believe the angels... Of the Lord encamps around about his people. Amen. There are angels around about us all the time. Mm -hmm. They're here tonight. Yes. And they're around about us all the time. And just that sometimes God lifts the veil and lets us see a little bit of the supernatural. Amen. Thank you. Take that with you, darling. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to turn quickly, just uh, sticking to our schedule. Turn to Gen uh, Genesis chapter 28. All right, so angels are invisible. Uh, they only become visible if God wills it for human eyes to behold. Uh, yeah, turn to Genesis chapter 28. And uh, this is quite a powerful uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, just put for your own notes. Well, let's see what you've got on your notes there. Um, oh, it's, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's under letter D, but we'll read that part. Uh, put a verse 11 or 10 through to 12 will do. Uh, now we're told, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, now notice this, a ladder, uh, some uh, say a staircase, but a ladder. Uh, we saw a ladder on the weekend, didn't we? Uh, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And notice this, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And the Lord stood above it and said, uh, this is to Jacob, I'm the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you, uh, you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Now, I want you to notice something here. Um, should be, we'll, we'll put it here. Jacob comes to this certain place and he takes a stone which he calls Bethel and he actually anointed it, so it became an anointed stone. Then, as he's laying down in that place, he has a dream. And uh, he sees this ladder or this staircase reaching from earth to heaven. And he sees the angels of God. Now, at the top of the ladder, God is at the top of the ladder and giving him the covenant of promises. And the angels, notice the language here, are ascending, going up and descending upon the ladder. Now, Jacob is an heir of salvation, so here the angels of God sent from God, ministering to him, 
uh, who is the heir of salvation. So they are ministering spirits. So Jacob sees this. Now, let's go over to the New Testament, and this is on your notes here under letter D. And Jesus interprets Jacob's letter for us. And I, I do believe, as my wife said, that, you know, angels are here tonight. If, if God just took the veil from off our eyes and we'd see, we could see into the spirit realm, I believe this place would be surrounded by angels. That's not a very strong amen, was it? Eh? Some of it sounded like, oh me. Okay, turn to John chapter 1. And listen to what uh, John says here. He actually interprets, or Jesus interprets Jacob's letter first. Um, we'll go down to verse 47. John 1 verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to, of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you and you were under, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now listen to what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Now listen carefully to verse 51, which is the interpretation of Genesis chapter 28. And he said, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you will see heaven open. Jacob saw heaven open. And the angels of God, oh, Jacob saw the angels of God ascending and descending, going up and down. I thought they'd come down first, then they went up. No, going up and down, ascending and descending. And notice the only thing Jesus changes, he said, the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So Jacob's ladder pointed to who? The Son of Man. Because you see, sin, as we'll see later on, sin bore a gap between heaven and earth, between God and man. The only one who could bridge the gap is for someone to let down the ladder from heaven, and that is Jesus. He is our ladder. We begin at his feet, and step by step we climb the ladder to God at the top. Hallelujah. That's it. Angels of God ascending and descending. All right. Uh, number 10, your last thing here, is uh, angels worship and serve God. Notice the order. Worship and serve. That's the order for us too. We don't serve him and then worship him. We worship him and then serve him. So the better we worship, the better our service. So we worship and serve God. All right, now, uh, last uh, several things here. Um, the ministry of angels. Angels are ministering spirits sent forth to the heirs of salvation. We've just looked at those scriptures there. And then you'll see in the columns I've given you, angels ministered in the Old Testament. We see them, uh, angels in Old Testament ministry. Uh, to Hagar when she was cast out the house, angels came to Lot, uh, rescued him from uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and the burning by fire and brimstone. Angel, the angel of the Lord that camps around the saints and them that fear him. Uh, how many are glad there's a few extra angels uh, with some of the women, uh, I mean some of the men drivers on the road these days? <laughs> okay, Elijah, uh, uh, an angel ministered to him. Daniel, when he was thrown in the lion's den. And the Hebrews children, there was a fourth one in the fire, like the Son of Man or an angel. Uh, in the ministry of Jesus, lots of ministry uh, to Jesus in the temptation. Uh, angels in descending upon the Son of Man because it's the Son of Man, like Jacob's ladder, that connects heaven and earth and bridges the great gap that was brought about by sin. Uh, when Jesus comes a second time, he's going to come in flaming fire with the angels. Uh, lots of scripture is going to, the angels are going to do the harvesting there. And, and I believe that in these days, we can expect to see a lot more angelic activity. Activity. Angel, angelic activity. Amen. Great, great increase. Uh, we were just watching the television tonight. A marvelous testimony of this uh, Muslim who was a general. And he was up the top of the uh, minaret, whatever you call it, calling the people to prayer. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to him and said, Jesus is God. He came out, totally a converted man. Left there and came down to the group who were praying there. 
He said, Jesus is God. And uh, in spite of so many other bad things that are happening, Jesus or angels are appearing to a lot of uh, uh, Muslim people. And they're realizing that Jesus is God. Hallelujah. God's, God's, God's sovereign. He sees the heart, doesn't he? And then in the book of Acts, uh, angels, <laughs> I mean, these, some of these things have their touch of humor. I mean, here the apostles were thrown into prison and angels come and rescued them and then uh, you know, made them all invisible they all come out the prison, and here's these poor soldiers, I felt sorry of them, guarding an empty prison. And then in the morning, because they were guarding an empty prison, couldn't explain how the apostles got out because of angelic ministry, they all were killed. An angel came to Philip, said, go down to the desert, witness to this guy, Cornelius, an angel, to Peter, to Paul, to John. Lots of angelic ministry and always to the saints, and I always say, don't worship us, worship the Lord. All right, now, let's go for our last few moments here before we take a break. Under letter E here, we have the classification of angels. Now, because we'll be picking this up more fully in the next session, and uh, I want to encourage you to be here, I want you to turn over, uh, by way of introduction, Second Peter... <coughs> Now, how many, uh, when you see the Lord, you've got some questions to ask him? So save them for him, because <laughs> i got some questions too. So way back in eternity, in this kingdom of order, we're going to pick this up, 3, 12, 70 in the host, something mysterious happened. It's referred to the mystery of iniquity. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, listen to the scripture, for if God... If God did not spare the angels that sinned, but cast them down to Tartarus, hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and so forth and so forth in the days of now. Can you think of this? Angels that sinned. This mystery of iniquity. You see, frightening thing here, sin did not begin in earth. Sin began in heaven. That's why Paul says, sin entered. Where did it enter from? We'll be dealing with that. Angels that sinned. How could angels sin? Turn over to Jude, verse 6. Take a right, and just before the book of Revelation, Jude 6, which confirms the same. And it says in Jude 6, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain or their first estate but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So angels, they left their proper domain up in heaven and came to earth and, and we sinned somehow. Don't ask questions. Sinning angels. And then Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12. And this is going to be the war to end all wars. And we're told, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7, and there was war in heaven. This will be the war to end all wars. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and the angels were cast out with him. Wow, that's frightening. So, war in heaven, where sin actually began. And then Satan and his angels, conflict here. And then go to Revelation chapter 9 as we finish on this part. Revelation chapter 9. Now, as we look at these scriptures and you read them, you'll find that there are some angels that are still loose and some angels that are bound. So Revelation chapter 9, uh, you just need to switch loose and bound. The bound ones are Revelation chapter 9. I just, uh, my, my computer's not converted yet. <laughs> Revelation chapter 9 and verse 13. On a little bit. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, notice the sixth, sixth. 
the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loosed the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, uh, I'm sorry, I take the Bible just as it is. Where is the river Euphrates? In, in uh, Iraq, which is? Babylon. Oh. Why do you think a lot of trouble is going on there? So, and the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, a day, a month and a year to slay a third part of men. Now, do you realize that there are four angels that are bound at the river Euphrates, which runs through Iraq? No need to allegorize this and spiritualize it away. As I said last week, Iraq is Babylon. Iran is Medo-Persia. Go think of these things. And remember when Babylon fell, the river Euphrates. Uh, I can't get onto that, but just to excite you a little bit here. And then there's angels that are bound. So these angels are bound here and they're going to be loosed and at an appointed day, month, year, and hour. And there's going to be hell let loose. A third part of men. Oh, there's lots of things happening here. And those angels are, uh, are loose like the angels in heaven. All right. Um, let me just read this last part and then we'll take a break. Num- uh, conclusion. We are forbidden to seek for or worship angels. Angels were created to worship Christ, worship God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Evil angels seek the worship due only uh, to God. That's why we have satanic churches and spiritist churches and demon churches. Uh, all believers, I believe, have a guardian angel. And the final ministry of angels is to see the believers depart the spirit safely through the trackless universe of the par- very paradise of God. In the scriptures I've given you there, you just think, the rich man Lazarus, the rich man died and he was taken to hell. Uh, but the Lazarus was taken into Abraham's bosom. Uh, Abraham, the father of all who believe, a symbol of paradise. And uh, what happened? When he died, we're told that the angels carried Lazarus right into Abraham's bosom. Now, if I die tonight, and I can't because I couldn't leave my wife with all the credit cards, um, uh, what would happen to my spirit? My body would go to the grave, but the angels, my guardian angel, and read it there, I've given you the scriptures, would take my spirit through the trackless universe, the atmospheric heavens, the planetary heavens, right into the third heaven, into paradise itself, and let me off. And I would say, Thanks a lot. I'd never have found my way here, but for you. Come back in 10 minutes for this exciting episode. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more in-depth teaching on the foundations of Christian doctrine, see the new online video teaching courses by Kevin Connor with over 60 lessons. Visit kevinconnor.org forward slash courses for details.